All right, we're back with the Canes Tracker podcast. Uh, Ingo got my man Frank Tucker here. Big news on the Canes recruiting front: five-star corner Cormani McLean commits to Miami. Frank, your reaction? I was scrambling, man. I, I could not believe. I didn't even watch it, honestly. I, I thought it was a he was a Florida lock. Everything where he, we've been hearing about the pounces being involved. Uh, kind of mentoring him through this process. I, I was I was genuinely shocked, and that doesn't happen to us very often here at uh, Kane's County. Definitely, definitely, man. It's I was surprised when I saw it. Uh, you know, we have our group chat, and one of the twins uh, texts, "Oh my god!" And Frank's like, "What?" And I'm like, "I'm looking too. I'm like, what's going on?" Because I wasn't watching the announcement. I'm just like. Yeah, whatever. Like, uh, I don't expect it to be Miami. And then I see that he picked Miami, and I just fire off a tweet. I'm like, surprise, Cormani McClain chooses Miami. Uh, it's a massive recruiting win for Mario Cristobal, especially year one. Uh, the type of territory where he landed Cormani McClain from, Lakeland area, Polk County, uh, dominantly a Florida Gators area, and just to land him out of there. I mean, just a little background context to that Cormani McLean uh, and his family originally from, you know, Pompano beach area. Uh, it's a huge win and massive credit goes to uh, DVD to Marcus Van Dyke. Uh, he has been spearheading this recruitment for a little, well over a year now. And just to land him in this class, it, it's, it says a lot uh, just, you know, in terms of, you know, our database at Rivals, Miami has never signed four five stars in a class, uh, but they are sitting with three five stars now between Cormani McLean, Jaden Wayne, and Francis Malgoa. Uh, Miami's in great position to add another five star or two in this class. So getting Cormani, it's, it sends shockwaves just throughout the college football recruiting world that no one expected that yesterday. Uh, what do you think the type of impact he could make when he arrives to Miami? It's, it's huge because I would say probably the weakest position on our team right now is cornerback. Uh, we've, we've seen some, some solid moments from Tyreek Stevenson and DJ Ivy, but just inconsistencies uh, that we've kind of expected from those two over the last two years or so uh, with Ivy five years. So it's unfortunate that we haven't had the cornerback talent that we're used to at the University of Miami, but this is putting us in the position to uh, get back to the graces of having first-round draft pick defensive backs. Uh, you you know the safety talent is going to be there. We're, we're pretty deep there going forward. Uh, you're going to get at least one more year out of Cam Kitchens and James Williams. Uh, to be able to have Cormani McLean uh, be able to jump in as a potential day-one starter um, I don't think that we need to gas it up to the point where we're talking about like an All-American uh, day one, but um, a day one starter on a week in a weak cornerback group, maybe combine them with Daryl Porter uh, as soon as next year. Um, I, I think that's a, it's a formidable tandem uh, for the University of Miami. I think the biggest impact here is definitely in recruiting, kind of like how you were talking about before. Miami is now sitting at number six on recruiting average. Um, they're almost at, at an average of a four star uh, per prospect. Um, and then, you know, Samson Okunlola 
is a, is a potential domino to fall. Desmond Ricks is another potential domino to fall. Then you got a number of four-star prospects that are potentially in the boat um, in the next couple of months. And, and honestly, this puts Miami back in good graces with South Florida Express, which the flip candidates are abundant uh, on that South Florida Express team. Uh, you just got to win over Alabama. Uh, you know, I know it's it's great to say that you beat the Gators, but to be able to have another notch in your belt against a Georgia and Alabama, that is a huge testament to what Mario Cristobal is doing on the trail. I know Marcus Van Dyke spearheaded this, but uh, there's obvious faith in Mario Cristobal around the country, and this is just a testament to that. Yeah, I can definitely second that. Um it just it says a lot, uh, just winning that type of prospect. Miami hasn't had a five-star corner since Tracy Howard. Uh, the last time Miami had three five-stars in one class, while they did not hold on to all three, was 2008. They had Arthur Brown, Marcus Forston, and Patrick Johnson, a.k.a. Patrick Peterson, that went off to LSU. Um uh, Miami's in unknown territory in regards to recruiting for the past decade right now in terms of the production they're putting up. Speaking about that production, uh, the chances of possibly having a top five class, I think it's realistically there now after you add Harmony McLean to this class, Miami now sitting at eighth in the country. Uh, the least amount of commitments compared to any other school within the top 10 right now. Uh, Miami's looking to close out this class, possibly another six to seven guys they're looking to add before the cycle is over with from the high school ranks. So, Frank, what do you think are the chances Miami could potentially finish in the top five? Top five is easy. That's easy money, in my opinion, right now, because once you get up to that number that is 24, 25, you're going to be locked in top five. You're already pretty much right there with average. I think that there's going to be some guys that get recruiting bumps uh, late in the process. I think we could see Jaden Rashada potentially get closer to that five-star mark. Um, there's a number of guys that I think are are high-caliber players that were kind of underrated in recruiting. I know Robert Stafford is a guy you think was an absolute steal. And if he was that anywhere other than O'Galley, uh, if he was at American Heritage, we're talking about him probably as a five-star prospect. Um, but I, I think the more fun conversation is, can Miami get to number one? Uh, that's 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 the thing to really look at for me. If you sh- if you really kill it down the stretch, right? Because there is no prospect that's outside of the realm of possibility after getting a guy like Cormani McLean, where nobody nobody in the entire industry said that this kid was going to end up at Miami. You know, our competitors even had their live show saying that, you know, Florida got this kid. So the preparation was that this kid was going to be a Gator. If he didn't end up being a Gator, he was supposed to be uh, a Bama lock. Uh, Miami was not even really even in the conversation as of late. And I think that if you can land a Samson Okanlola, if you can flip a Brandon Ennis, if you can flip a Mark Fletcher, Maybe even flip a Tyler Williams teammate for Cormani McLean that you were just talking about before the show that Miami's pushing real hard for. If you're blue chip heavy down the stretch, you're in the conversation for the number one class because the recipe for a number one class is three to five five stars. 
and a number of four stars. And Miami seems to be on that track. Yeah, uh, I love that you name dropped Tyler Williams there. We were talking about it before. I actually got some confirmation that, yes, Miami still is pushing very hard for Tyler Williams from Lakeland. He did uh, he did commit to Georgia a few weeks back. Uh, Miami hasn't conceded that. He still has official visits he could take, and Miami is pushing for him to take an official visit uh, in, de in December before this cycle closes out for the early signing period. In terms of, you know, just – flips or just high profile guys Miami's going after. I continue to feel good about where Miami is with Samson Okamola. I know some people watching this, they may say, Gio, wait a minute, but Miami has a losing record this season. Um, Mario Cristobal is the type of coach that he puts so much emphasis on recruiting that, and I've, I've asked uh, some of the Miami commits this over the past few weeks at some of the games, uh, just about Mario Cristobal and the way he handles things the biggest thing that stands out is just being genuine, uh, keeping it real with them. He doesn't really sugarcoat it. He tells them exactly how it is, what it's going to be like when they come here, and they buy in. So the thing is, looking at that whole, just scoping out everything in general, you know, some of the top guys that Miami is going to be involved with heading forward, uh, just another name dropper here as well. Cedric Baxter Jr., uh, he will likely be in town for the Miami and Florida State game. Um, not saying that Miami's going to flip him, but you never know what can happen when you get a prospect like that in town. Uh, try to work him a bit, maybe try to get an official visit before the cycle's over. Uh, Miami was feeling good about him at one point before he committed to Texas. Uh, that's an interesting situation there. But I feel Miami sits in a better spot with Mark Fletcher, as you mentioned. Uh, just speaking about South Florida Express in general with that Cormani McLean commitment, uh, Miami's working a lot of guys from South Florida Express, just between Mark Fletcher, uh, Brandon Ennis, uh, Sharif Denson. It's a lot of guys that they're still working on from that whole group. And it's going to be an interesting situation going forward. Uh, you know, so the Twins uh, had shared this yesterday. It was actually, uh, you know, just Brandon Ennis reacting to the commitment of Cormani McLean. He was just like, wow. And Cormani says, you already know what's up. So obviously, you know, that's just hype and whatnot. There's no real substance there yet. But Miami continues to chip away with Brandon Ennis. They continue to keep pushing for Samson Open Lola. Uh, you get a couple breaks here and there obviously Miami needs a little more on the defensive line in this class I do expect them to take some more but I see more of that coming out of the transfer portal after the cycle closes out I like the chances of Miami being top five they're definitely within reach uh the number one class that would be incredible um do I think it's a possibility yes do I think Miami gets the number one class I don't think so, but top five I could see happen. Yeah, I, I don't think it happens like that, but I think it's a fun conversation to have, and I don't think it's outside, uh, you know, the realm possibility. Like I said, it, it's you got the recipe down. You, you've already knocked out the five star uh, building block, uh, you know, check on, on that box. You know, uh, it, it's it's it, it. I cannot put anything past Mario Cristobal right now. It, it, it is. In a season where they have a losing record, 
it, it has seemed tumultuous at times. It, it seems like the media has kind of spun it. Uh, the national media has kind of spun it to where Mario Cristobal is not the guy for the job. But we know behind closed doors, everybody has faith in what he is doing. It, it, he just doesn't have his guys in the building yet. And my argument is his guys are starting to emerge. The Colby Youngs of the world, the Wesley Besaints of the world. Those, those are players that he figured were going to be building block players, and they're looking like that. I mean, Nigel Kelly is still 17 years old. That's what people don't understand. He is going to be an absolute monster. This kid could still be growing. Like we're potentially, we're potentially back to where Miami has the the same talent that they had in the early 2000s at linebacker. When you're getting guys like Wesley Bissaint that are athletic but still thumping, right? You got pass rushers that are first round draft pick type guys like Nigel Kelly, Leonard Taylor, Daryl Jackson. If you're able to bring in defensive backs like Cormani McLean, 6'2", 6'3", can run elite production on the high school level, elite pedigree. Um, uh, you know, if you bring in a Damari Brown, right, you already got Antoine Jackson, who's going to come in in red shirt in his first year, but he's going to be a 16-year-old freshman on the college level. Uh, I think Miami is is looking towards the future more than worrying about the present. We, you and I have both heard behind closed doors that – they didn't come to Miami with the expectation, the staff, of, of winning an ACC championship in the first year. This was a rebuild process. They wanted to change the culture of this program, and I think they're doing just that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you know, it's it's exciting. It's exciting watching this uh, unfold with the recruiting class, just especially – I think Miami really needed this momentum. Uh, you know, you're sitting three and four right now. Uh, seemed like recruiting had slowed down. There was even just, you know, Canes fans or just people in general saying, I, I even saw um, the other week, there was a tweet from a Florida Gator fan saying, oh, uh, where's all that? Where's that second wave Mario Cristobal was talking about? Uh, well, the second wave that's happening right now, you know, have mentioned it on this podcast a few times that Miami has been playing that long game with some certain prospects, uh, just keeping it kind of quiet, keeping it low key. Uh, Miami's had quite a few surprise visitors over the last few games that I've taken notice of. It's going to be interesting coming down the stretch. Uh, we're about a little over a month out away from uh, early signing day, and I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see how Miami closes out. Uh, looking forward to see what other surprise visitors Miami may bring in for official visits before early signing day. It's definitely a great situation they have right now in terms of the recruiting class. But in terms of the current team now, heading into this Virginia game, how do you feel, Frank? Um, I still think this is going to be a tough game. You know, it's, it's great to have Cormani in the boat, but Brennan Armstrong is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's a fifth-year guy. Uh, he has similar athletic traits to the guys that have kind of gashed us a little bit over the last few weeks at the quarterback position. I mean, just last year he threw for over 4,000 yards and over 30 touchdowns. Uh, the passing numbers aren't the same this year, but he still has the ability to do that. He's arguably the most prolific quarterback in the history of Virginia's program. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a game to watch defensively. They got you know a couple of defensive players. They got one of the best linebackers in the country. They got a defensive end with six sacks. 
Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. Miami's not in a position right now where they're, they're a two-point favorite in this game, but I personally don't feel extremely confident going into this. I think if they win, it'll be a three-point, four-point win, kind of like we saw a couple weeks ago against Virginia Tech. Um, I think until the, they prove that they can establish a run game, it doesn't matter if they throw for 600 yards. The offense isn't going to be as productive as it needs to be because we're still seeing them struggle in the red zone. Where you know the, the, it's gotten better, right? But you can't continue to just throw the ball in the red zone the, the way that they are. It, it's you got to utilize that Franklin. You got to utilize Henry Parrish more. Eleven carries is not enough for your top back. It, it's it's just and and I talked about it today on our on our five keys uh, to a Miami victory. You got to get him north of eighteen touches uh in this game and if you i think if you do that and if you establish a run and if you force the defense to to bring another guy into the box that's going to open things up for jake garcia we don't want to see jake garcia and his gunslinger mentality give us another eight turnovers that's not something that that is sustainable right and and we love the flashy plays that he brings us but if we want to see you know garcia to young all day long we're going to need a run game to kind of ease things up on him yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, it's expected Jake Garcia will be starting this Saturday on the road. His first start on the road. That's definitely a, a bit of a challenge there. Um, you know, we, we talk about this sometimes about the amount of talent Miami has, despite the struggles they've had this season. Uh, at some point, that talent has to, you know, surface through. Uh, they have to pull out some games for Miami that they should be able to win. You would think, look, um, excuse me, looking on paper that Miami should beat a team like Virginia when you compare the two rosters. Obviously, results haven't shown that way this season. I think this is a game that Miami does pull out on the road. Uh, I think Miami wins a little more convincingly than they did against Virginia Tech. Miami kind of fell apart in that fourth quarter in Blacksburg. Uh, I expect a different different showing out of this game. I don't think Miami wins by a blowout, but I think they'll win more convincingly than that Virginia, uh, excuse me, Virginia Tech game. In regards to the run game, though, I love what you said on that. I do agree. I don't think Henry Parrish has had enough touches. That's just a mix between the change with the offense, you know, with some of the early struggles of the past game, some change in terms of the blocking scheme. Um, but, you know, also his injury, too. But I, I definitely agree with you. I don't feel like he's touched the ball uh, enough, at least in recent games. And, you know, he's definitely your number one back at this point into the season. And you're going to have to lean on him heading into this game, especially having a quarterback going into his first start. And not only that, first start, first start on the road, as I mentioned. So I like I like Jacoby George to have a breakout game this game, though. I I, I like that too, man. I, I think this is going to be a game where we see a lot of Colby Young and a lot of Jacoby George. I think Jacoby George had potential to kind of take over that number one spot if he doesn't get hurt in that Texas A&M game. Uh, I, I like Jake Garcia in this game. I think his confidence uh, is going to be big for him, especially in this first start, like he said, on the road. Um, I don't think he's going to be, you know, too shaken up by the Virginia environment. Uh, nothing against the Cavalier home crowd, but 
Uh, this is another basketball school that we're going against, and, and we got to prove it against another basketball school. Um, but I, I think, you know, the talent is there, like you said. Um, I think the offensive line is going to have to play better. Um, you know, Ja'Kai Clark being back, I think, is going to be huge with the communication on the offensive line. Mario Cristobal and, and, and Maribel are two of the best offensive line coaches in the country. I think that they're going to get this right. Um, it, it's just tough because they don't have their guys in on the offensive line just yet, which what we will see over the next couple of years, a, a change in the guard, uh, which Samson Okanlola, Francis Malagoa, uh, you know, the Connor Lose of the world. It, it is going to be fun to watch uh, for Miami on the offensive line. This is not a testament to what we are going to be seeing going forward. Um, but I, I think like 27-24 is going to be the result. Uh, and I think this is going to be a huge win in recruiting because you see the – amount of kids we've offered in the Virginia area as of late. And this is a, if you win against Virginia and Virginia tech, you could pretty much just go into that state and say, why would you go play for these teams in our most down year? We beat both of them. So come be a cane, right? And, and, and there's some really good players that Miami's offered over the last couple of weeks out of that area um, that I think uh, they can build some momentum with, uh, with a, with a win uh, on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of the defense, you know, everyone has their take in terms of Miami's defense. Uh, me, personally, watching the last game against Duke, I really wouldn't put the blame so much on them. Just, you know, the eight turnovers, four of those being in Miami territory, not really doing your defense a favor. Uh I, I'd like to see Miami have another defensive performance similar to that, that Virginia Tech game. Obviously, Miami kind of blew a potential shutout in Blacksburg. That was kind of interesting that they could have had that. But I, I, like, I like to see them perform like that again. And hopefully the offense does do them favors this time. I mean, eight turnovers, that was <laughs> almost unheard of uh, for Miami, considering all the woes for the past decade uh, for this team. That was That was a shocker. But... With that said, that's a wrap from the Storm Tracker podcast. See you soon. Hey, Marcus, I, if I remember correctly, I think.